People say, you who grew up here, said it's not the Revelstoke I grew up in. That's true, but that's not entirely a bad thing either. I hope that other people can continue to experience that like small town feel. In over 130 years, people have been saying in Revelstoke, this is a problem, we need to fix it. How are we gonna do it? Let's do it, and they do it. You're listening to Think Revelstoke, a show about the future of tourism in Revelstoke and the greatest challenges of today's tourism destinations, along with the most inspiring solutions. I'm Robin Goldsmith, Destination and Sustainability Manager at Tourism Revelstoke. And I'm Rodney Payne, CEO at Destination Think. We're speaking to you from beautiful Revelstoke, British Columbia, a city on the territory of four nations where we live, work and adventure. The Sinaiks, the Shaquetmec, the Silks and the Tunaha. And I want to acknowledge that I have been saying Shaquetmec wrong for the duration of this podcast. I'd like to thank my colleague Dale Toma for pointing that out to me. Today's episode is all about the community engagement process that we've been undergoing for the last six months uh, in Revelstoke as we as we understand community priorities and think about how to manage Revelstoke as a tourism destination. We'll learn what residents told us and share insights that will form the priorities and we hope that other places around the world can also peek into the process and learn a little bit from uh, what we've done here. I'd like to introduce David Archer as the guest moderator for this discussion. He is our podcast producer and has seven years of experience with Destination Think as editor of our blog and DMO Matters. David, welcome. Thank you for having me today. Uh, I'm glad to be here in front of the mic in this sort of live situation rather than behind it. Um, been listening to all of your words along the way, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm coming to you from the village of Dajing Geeds in Haida Gwaii, which is Haida territory. And uh, here in Haida Gwaii, we say hawa for thank you. That's the Haida word for thank you. So hawa for having me. And I look forward to being our moderator today or leading us through the, the themes from all of, all of the community survey results and interview results. So I thought first I would turn the questions around on the hosts and ask you a little bit about the community engagement process and kind of what went into that process. What are some of the ways you've been reaching out? We um, have reached out in a number of ways. I think one of the things we were really conscious of going into this process is that um, Re Revelstoke residents, especially post-COVID, have been subject to so many surveys about the community, about their well-being, and, and those things are all valuable, but we wanted to make sure that we were really digging a little bit deeper. Um, so we've engaged, first of all, through this podcast, which is broadcast uh, not only over the internet, but uh, here in Revelstoke on Stoke FM, one of our local radio channels. Um, we've been putting out a monthly uh, newspaper column. We've been engaging one-on-one -on -one with our residents. We did a couple of film nights highlighting some topics relevant to tourism. And then, of course, had a really uh, thorough engagement process th for our survey. So really being proactive and sending out community ambassadors for that survey. Um, putting paper surveys as well as online in a number of locations. So trying to talk to as many people and as many uh, sort of facets of the community as possible. That's great. And 
And so speaking of that survey, um, can you tell us about how that was conducted and what the response was like? Um, so we had primarily the survey was, was online and that's where most of our responses came from. Um, and we put that survey out in a number of ways. So organically through social media, uh, in our very active Revelstoke community Facebook page, which I imagine most, most communities have some sort of, um, mirroring community Facebook page that's pretty active. Um, we solicited surveys uh, through QR codes at some of our events, we, and we sent out community ambassadors. So we had about 10 folks on the ground um, going out and either either sharing the QR code, sharing through their own personal social media, or hitting up our local cafes, uh, different businesses to collect responses. Uh, we also had sort of static paper forms and, and ballot box collection at some of um, some different businesses and, and spots where people might wait around and have a chance to fill it out. So we had the local doctor's office, dentist's office, pharmacy, barbershop, um, and a number of other spots where we might hit a bit of a different segment of the population. Uh, the community response was really positive. Um, we had uh, about 1,100 responses. So that's huge in a community of just over 8,000 people, and we're really proud um, of how well our effort was received in terms of collection. And we collected a lot of really interesting responses. Yeah, that's an incredible proportion of survey responses. I'd like to take us through some of the themes that came out of the feedback. And, and the way that I'll do this is um, I've gathered some audio clips from a few different meetings that the Tourism Revelstoke and Destination Think teams have had. Um, talking about these themes. And also, Robin, you've conducted some interviews that were recorded recently. And so um, I've gathered some comments from residents of Revelstoke as well. So uh, without further ado, let's go into the first theme, which is about protecting the community. And in this clip, you'll hear Robin, resident Keith McNabb. You'll hear Tyler Robinson from the Destination Think team. Kathy English, Miranda Murphy, and Dale Toma, who are also residents. Okay, so you can play that in three, two, one. And when asking what people wanted it to be like 50 years into the future, a lot of people said like kind of the same. What I take from that is that it's really a priority to maintain the quality of life. Now, the most people move here um, for the lifestyle. Then they find a job, whereas when I was first moved here, people moved here for the job and then either liked the lifestyle or they didn't and they left or liked the, the fact it snows a lot and rains a lot. People talk about preserving the sense of community. I think that small town feel is really important to people. Another big theme that came up was protecting the community, bringing people together. People say, you who grew up here, said it's not the Revelstoke I grew up in. That's true, but that's not entirely a bad thing either. I hope that other people can continue to experience that like small town feel and and to feel like they have the ability to influence the, the community. Community effort and um, just the care that they, that Revelstoke brings. So that's why I would be hopeful. Okay, what do you think? I think uh, I think it's interesting to hear. Um, you know, that's a mix of residents. Some of them have lived here much longer. Uh, Dale, for example, just moved here uh, last year, I believe, or the year before. Um, but they're all really finding that element of community, and it's something that people are concerned about losing. 
Um, but it's obviously something that's that's been preserved at least this far. So um, I feel like it's a it's a real uh, creates impetus for us to to really value and preserve that. One of the things that really jumped out at me was the comment about people used to use used to move here for a job, and now they move here for the lifestyle. And while I think there'll be exceptions for that, I think it's a really interesting macro trend for us to consider, especially when you overlay it with what you just said, Robin, about uh, both of those groups of people valuing the community and us needing to protect that intentionally. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that, that comes through in those clips and some of our survey responses is there's a lot of volunteerism. And I think it's we look at those two separate groups of the people who maybe came here for work versus the people who we'd consider um, amenity migrants. But I think there's a lot of volunteerism and a lot of um, agency to create community between um, everyone who's here. So theme number two from the resident feedback was visitor numbers and development. And in this clip, you'll hear Robin, you'll hear Kathy, you'll hear Megan Tabor, who is part of the Tourism Revelstoke team, and Miranda Murphy once again. So you can play clip number two in three, two, one, go. The overall sentiment is that things are feeling busier and that the, the consequence of this is people find like they like living here because they have great restaurants and there are lots of things that tourism supports, but they have trouble um, enjoying those because they're filled with visitors. Increased traffic both on the highways and in town is an issue for some people. Um, peak season visitors consuming uh, resources like groceries uh, and then making that access to those things difficult for residents. I mentioned this to Rodney already, but parking is something I heard a lot about, is, is lack of access to parking. Okay, so not enough people during shoulder season to support some of the businesses, but some people like that it's quieter in shoulder season, so we kind of have this balance. You don't really want to look at it as a, you know, as a competition. But in a way right now, I'd say the developers are winning, you know, against the, the community. How I've heard it worded by some of the people I interviewed was quality over quantity from a development perspective. And I think you could say that about pretty much anything. I think there needs to be more of a balance. I, I was at discussions, you know, 20 years ago when we were saying, people were saying, you know, the, the town is, if once the, the ski hill is developed, this town is going to change. How are we going to manage that change? How are we going to make sure that this town retains it, its character and that the locals still are looked after, that we're, that it's still the community, it's still a community that is not just a playground for the rich and it's not just a developer's paradise. Um, and I, I think some of the things that were, were talked about as, ways that that we could manage that weren't necessarily always put in place from a few people there was discussion on like a we'll call it a cap on, on visitation but more just the concern about building more hotels and revelstokes like we just physically can't grow like the land is not available um we're hemmed in by those mountains so um i'm just really interested to to see when we hit that limit of physically what else can be brought to this town and how many people it could actually fit. And then what happens, what happens once we hit that limit, when that demand is, is we just can't meet demand for space. All right. What are your thoughts? 
you know, it, it's interesting. It, it gets framed uh, by a number of people as this sort of like developers versus community uh, mentality. Um, and, and I think there's a real opportunity to work together, um, together with people who have development interests in Revelstoke um, and to sort of align our goals uh, to create an impetus at city council to make sure that, that those development goals are also community goals. Um, and I, the sense I get from those clips and, and from some of the folks we talked to is that it's a real us versus them mentality and that um, people feel threatened by that. I think it's easy to listen to some of those quotes and think that these problems feel very, very big and, uh, and could feel overwhelming and not just limited to Revelstoke. Uh, and I think many of those problems are and challenges are not limited to Revelstoke. Uh, but I think there are ways that we can have agency and uh, find the right balance for our community. It's interesting, the one Revelstoke, the really Revelstoke specific thing that Miranda mentioned is, is the physical barrier. Um, and so our residents know this, but for anyone listening from afar, it, we're in quite a tight mountain valley. We have um, the Selkirk Mountains behind us and the Monashee Mountains across the Columbia River. And just really a limited uh, geographical space in which to develop, which I think uh, really encourages creative solutions. Uh, in terms of in terms of development, because we can't just sprawl out, uh, we'll we'll lose that space. So we have to develop in a way that's really thoughtful, uh, just to account for those geographical barriers. Okay, let's head on to our third theme from resident feedback, and this one was about climate and the environment. Uh, we'll hear from Robin, Keith, Dale, Miranda, and Tyler Robinson. Three, two, one. Go. I heard from quite a few people that they were concerned about climate. To look out 50 years is very challenging the way uh, the world is going right now. Uh, we have no idea whether we're going to have any snow in 50 years to be a ski resort. An organized effort could be made to change forest practices so that it also benefits tourism, so it doesn't leave big, ugly scars on our beautiful mountains, and, and so that, you know, hopefully it will work well with adventure tourism businesses in order to like maybe do gladed ski runs close to town or you know mountain bike trails that can be adapted after they go through and do like maybe a more selective harvesting or something hopefully hopefully we're able to to like look to those those things we can control and those progressions that do exist to um you know maybe control those most more scary predictions for the future in terms of what climate's going to do to this area and um yeah it's just the impossible question right now but hopefully we can have some influence over it coming away with this insight from a from a tech conference but it feels clearer than ever that this is not a tech problem at the forefront it's a human problem um, we have so much of the technology already to action yeah. and to create change. There's so much low hanging fruit. Just, just listening to your um, podcasts over the last couple of days of some of your past guests, I really, really enjoyed listening to some of them. And I really connected with a person. I couldn't remember who it was, but they were talking about um, being good ancestors. And that's something that First Nations people always think about. 
uh, we're always thinking, you know, you often hear the seven generations to the forward and seven generations to the past. And, you know, we're always constantly thinking of that and just to hear it come from a different perspective of somebody else. And I'm not sure if that person was indigenous or not, but uh, it's just really just cool, cool to hear in such a different way. It's, it's been inspiring and also, you know, kind of like any, um, anything climate related when you fully immerse yourself, it's like equal parts inspiring usually and terrifying and, um, yeah, we need to get our ass in gear and all the rest of it. I think, uh, this was, this was partially like that power of, of thinking 50 years into the future. Um, if you think in five year increments, you maybe don't need to give as broad a, a lens to climate, or at least that's, you know, what people, people have in their minds is like, well, five years, things might not be too bad, but thinking 50 years into the future, um, that was a real standout response as a lot of people said, well, like, how can we plan that far in advance when, you know, we might not even have snow, we might have constant wildfires. Um, and I think our conversation with, with Dr. Mike Flanagan uh, on this podcast as well, really, um, brought that home for me is that, you know, the climate is changing and, and there are actions we can take with respect to climate change, but there are also actions we can take with respect to emergency management and just planning for some of those inevitabilities. I like Dale's reference to Alex Steffen's quote about being good ancestors. And I think that's, that's something motivating uh, because we do care about community here in Revelstoke. And we've heard that loud and clear. And I think Alex Stefan also talks a lot about discontinuity and, you know, a, a less stable future, which I think is the, the general theme and what makes it really difficult to, to plan for. But I don't think that means we should avoid it. And I think that, you know, adaptation um, is going to be relatively inevitable and are really important for us to be thinking about, you know, from a tourism perspective, protecting the products and, and assets that people visit it, visit for will be essential if we um, want to protect sort of livelihoods and, and people's jobs and businesses in town. And, you know, the guest experience may change quite a lot as well as, you know, the resident experience over the, the coming years and decades. I think it's a, it's a part part hope. We need to be hopeful about the future and we need to um, you know, have, have that hope to, as Tyler says, get our asses in gear. Um, but what I took from a lot of other folks and, and also from what you just said, Rodney is, is that dose of pragmatism and just making sure, um, making sure that we're shoring ourselves up well for an uncertain future. Let's go on to the next theme from resident feedback. And this one is about first nations three, two, one, go. One thing we found from talking to residents is we really didn't hear anything about First Nations at all. So a pretty short one. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that one, Robin? Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. So we conducted um, a lot of one-on-one -on -one interviews, um, and that was just a theme that, that didn't really come up. Um, but I do have to, I, I had a deep dive into some of the responses um, because our survey did have some open responses. And uh, there was one person who said that in 2073, they would like to see um, a much stronger Sinaiq's presence. So we did hear uh, something about First Nations. So um, 
I, I want to give a shout out to that one resident. Um, and, and there are a few people who, who sort of gave a nod to it, but I thought it was interesting that it really wasn't at the forefront of people's minds. And I think our residents are, are very conscious, I think as Canadians, we're conscious uh, of the, the ongoing need for truth and, and reconciliation with respect to our First Nations and in light of everything that's happened since the Kamloops 215. Um, but I think in Revelstoke, we're a little bit disconnected um, from our, our First Nations roots. Uh, the Sinaiics have a much stronger presence to the south and the Shaquemek to the west. Um, we're fairly disconnected from the Tunaha, who um, have a, a large presence um, to the sort of southeast down in Cranbrook uh, and the Silk Okanagan in the, in the southwest. So we just don't have as strong a tie. And I think it'll be really interesting uh, to see how we can create those ties. I think back to our interview with uh, Frank Antone about his advice on how to create those ties by reaching out and and wanting to learn and and participate and i think that's a, a good reminder okay this next clip is all about arts and culture and you will hear amy bjarnison from the destination think team uh, and then robin and miranda revelstoke resident that was another big one how to form community space to bring people together or how exactly to bring them together? Where are they meeting? Um, what do they bond over? What can they offer to each other? That arts and culture piece really did come through strongly. And I think it's because there's been so much palpable growth in the last like 10 years in that area and people seeing the rise of events like Luna and sort of a revitalization of the visual arts center and art galleries. Like that's all kind of happened within the last little while and people love that growth and they just want to see more of that. The economy is, has diversified so much and it's just allowed this great venue for people to do so many different things and, and bring in so many different skill sets. Lots of arts initiatives have changed. Um, like, yeah, you can, you can find anything that you would in a city here, really. Sounds like there's a lot happening with arts and culture. Yeah, it's interesting. As part of this project, uh, one of the first things I did was go uh, to the museum and, and talk to Kathy English, who uh, we've heard in a few of these clips about um, what Revelstoke was like 50 years ago. Um, so looking back at 1973, and I came across an article that said uh, something about the Arts Council um, just trying to reinvigorate itself. Um, and, and trying to, I think they were a latent organization that was trying to get off the ground again. And now we see uh, the Arts Council, which is now Arts Revelstoke, um, has a really leading role in creating a lot of arts initiatives in town. Um, and one of, the, one of the events we heard about uh, with respect to arts and culture again and again was how much people love this cornerstone uh, in our art scene, Luna, which is a huge uh, arts festival uh, that happens at the end of September that's been going on for about five years now. Uh, and people just love that as a community event, but also as a celebration of the creativity and diversity within Revelstoke. I think that the uh, the arts that everyone was referencing is a real asset and opportunity, and it, it makes living here and visiting Revelstoke uh, a very unique um, mountain town. And the opportunity to have tourism to continue to grow that that diversity and the richness um is is very exciting 
I was sitting in on the um, on a committee, the Arts and Culture Committee for our official community plan, which was developed last year. Uh, and it was really interesting to work with those folks and just seeing the viability of the art sector, not only as a community driver, but also as an economic driver um, and, and carving out those spaces to make sure that we have um, creative people are ever able to make a living here and really contribute to community. And our final resident feedback theme is all about housing. And in this last clip, you'll hear Robin and Megan from Tourism Revelstoke. You'll hear Lindsay Payne from Destination Think, Kathy English, Revelstoke resident, and Aaron Orlando, who is on Revelstoke City Council. So you can play that in three, two, one, go. So in highest priorities, I think there was no surprise that the thing all of us heard repeatedly was housing, affordable housing, access to housing, rental housing, purchasing housing, and in all forms came up in every single interview I did. Every single person thought the quality of life in Robustoke was like amazing. I didn't get one person that commented on a bad quality of life here when asked that question. The only caveat I had in my very small sample set of interviews was if you can find a place to live. We have too much secondary housing. We're catering too much to tourism or, you know, second houses, people coming from out of town versus having homes for people, which is now the bottleneck and problem. I, and I don't like to say there's been too much development, but we also have to look at who's the development for, you know, who's it benefiting and is it always benefiting the community? And I would say no. Um, so I think those are some of the challenges that we have to look at. Like, yes, yes, we can be a resort community. Yes, we can have development here, but how can we manage that better so that it's m more in the interests of the community? You know, certainly during the last election cycle, uh, late last year, housing was the number one issue. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, everyone these days has the stories of the challenges that we're facing, such as uh, uh, businesses not being able to hire staff or people getting um, uh, evicted uh, for one reason or another uh, from their homes. And, and, you know, I can speak for myself and, and the current councils were really focused on uh uh, putting up some wins and, uh, um, you know, generally moving in the right direction on housing issues. It's going to be a challenge for the foreseeable future. Uh, we're in a crisis. In over 130 years, people have been saying in Revelstoke, this is a problem. We need to fix it. How are we going to do it? Let's do it. And they do it. And I think we can still do that. I love the op upbeat optimism and agency that the, the montage ended with housing seems to be the big one in a lot of places and the resulting pressures that housing shortages puts on inequality and people's mental health and the businesses that um, depend on, on having uh, staff and all of the other interrelated facets of shelter and for a place that prides itself on the strength of its community, I think we really need to stare that problem in the face. Yeah, I think it, it came as no surprise to anyone in these interviews. And, and this was, you know, both in our qualitative interviews and, and our quantitative that affordable housing and access to housing is, is the number one issue for most people. Um, what I did find surprising was speaking to Kathy, uh, just how long she perceives this problem to have been going on. 
I moved to Revelstoke in 2015. Uh, at that time, rental housing was tight, but it was still reasonably affordable to purchase a home. Um, and that has really escalated um, since then. I was, I was really lucky to move here when I did. So I would have perceived the housing crisis to be more of a recent thing, but I guess the, you know, the water's been flowing in that direction for so long, and, and now it's really time, um, it, like Rodney said, to stare that in the face. Um, this, is a, this is a crisis that, that can't be solved by just waiting it out. It's clear listening to everyone and, and, you know, listening outside of this process to just our community and having just come through a municipal election cycle that one of the key themes in our, in our destination management plan will be housing. Uh, I think there are some other um, themes that came through loud and clear. And, and one of those is, is, of course, the value of community and, and the value of the people who are here. And that ties in so well with housing is, you know, we need to make sure that, that the people who are here and who are building community really have somewhere to live um, and that they can stay here and continue to contribute in all of the ways that they do. The issues that we've highlighted in today's show uh obviously critically important to address in the destination management for Revelstoke uh, going forward. And I'm really excited to see how the plan manifests uh, so that we can have as much agency as possible over how this community grows and develops. In wrapping up our survey, um, I know some of our residents will be looking to, to see the results and all of the quantitative pieces uh, will be available on the tourism, or sorry, on the Destination Revelstoke website, uh, which is where we're storing more of our community and corporate-facing materials. Uh, so you can keep an eye on Tourism Revelstoke's channels uh, for that release going forward. Fantastic. And I just wanted to also mention that we've got uh, a blog that on the Destination Think website that covers a similar topic, uh, written by our chief strategist, William Bacher. Um, it's called What We Learned from Speaking with a Thousand Residents of Tourism Destinations. And um, he wrote that after uh, speaking with people in workshops directly over the course of about a year um, in a few different countries. So there's some interesting insights in that one. Um, thank you for being here today. And thank you, Robin and Rodney, for having me on. This has been Think Revelstoke, presented by Tourism Revelstoke and Destination Think. Our hosts are Robin Goldsmith and Rodney Payne. This episode has been produced and has theme music composed by me, David Archer. Lindsay Payne and Annika Rautiola provided production support. Our show comes from the beautiful city of Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada, located on the land of the Sinaixt, Sequetmec, the Silks, and the Ketunaha. Special thanks to our cast of Revelstoke residents who graciously provided interviews for this episode, Aaron Orlando, Kathy English, Dale Thomas, Keith McNabb, and Miranda Murphy. Bonus points for participation go to Mega Tabor, Marketing and Destination Director at Tourism Revelstoke, along with Amy Bjarnison, Lindsay Payne, and Tyler Robinson from the team at Destination Think. Thanks for sharing your insights. And that's all for this week. You can help more people find this show by subscribing to future episodes and by leaving a review. And next time, we'll hear from a New Zealand destination that has pledged to become carbon zero by 2030 and is taking immediate action to get there. See you then.